Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, welcome to Blue Ridge Church. Thanks for being here. Welcome to our online campus. Thanks for remembering the service times. And even if you didn't and you got here, you know, maybe a little early, it's okay. You can leave halfway through and and get on with your day. But we are glad that you're here. And if, listen, if this is your first time joining us either online or in person, we truly mean what we say in that welcome video. Just relax. We're not going to make you stand up, introduce yourself. We're not going to ask you for anything. We're just glad you've joined us for the series that we're in called Priorities. And just to bring you up to speed, what we've been doing is looking at those things that we should prioritize in our life, the most important things in our life, and to make sure that they line up, line up with what we value the most in life. And so if you were with us last week, we talked about prioritizing money. And it's not that prioritizing money is difficult for us. The problem is we prioritize it as the number one thing in our lives. And we don't prioritize it the way God says to prioritize it. So we talked about all kinds of aspects of that, you know, why we get in trouble with money. So if you didn't get a chance to watch that, I would encourage you, it's available on our website. So today I want to talk about probably your favorite second hottest topic to talk about in church, and that is work. And how do we prioritize work? And it's kind of like money, you know, we prioritize it, we just don't prioritize it the right way. And I know when I bring up that word work, for some of you, that's, that's a dirty word, right? You're already thinking, man, Monday morning is right around the corner. You're kind of dreading it. You're kind of not looking forward to it at all. But let me just share some statistics with you. First of all, we will work on average 90 to 100,000 hours in our lifetime. 90 to 100,000 hours. 40 to 50% of your waking hours will be spent at work or going to work or coming home from work. 60 to 65% of your entire lifetime, this is really encouraging for college kids, 60 to 65% of your lifetime, you will hold down a job. Statistics will tell us that most people, the majority of people will not enjoy what they do for a living. So welcome to Blue Ridge Church, the church of encouragement, right? We like to build you up and then send you back out into the world. But I think that is because we don't prioritize it correctly. Because if we will learn to prioritize our work correctly, not only can we enjoy our work, but we can also thrive at whatever it is that we do. And like I said, work is already a priority for us. It may not be the priority that we choose, but it's a priority that we have in our life. And so we have to learn how to prioritize it God's way. And I think the best way to do that is really to get his perspective on work. What is God's perspective on work? And and you know what one of God's priorities is for work? Is that we work. That's one of his priorities is that we work because he designed us to work. So that's kind of the starting point for being able to prioritize it is to realize, wait a minute, God created me 
to work. Why? You know, like any teenager would ask, why should I work? Right? What's in it for me? What's the payoff? What's the benefit from my work? And we're not the first people to ask that. King Solomon, very wise, asked that years ago in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9. And listen, if you ever want to follow along with our notes or our learnings, they're available on that church center app, uh, as, long, as well as a lot of other information about the church. But here's what King Solomon said, what do workers gain from their toil? That's a pretty simple question. What do we get from our hard work? And if I was to ask you that question today, some of you would respond, well, I work to pay my bills. I work to put a roof over my head or for food. Maybe you work to, uh, you're saving for something. I'm saving for a security deposit on an apartment, or I'm saving for a down payment on a house or a, a car. Some, you know, teenagers say, I don't know, dad just said, you know, I need to get a job. But is that all it works for? To pay our bills, to save money so that someday we can retire, so that we can eat, and so we can have a roof over our head. To properly prioritize it, we need to know why we work. You know, if we were designed in such a way to work, what is the purpose behind work from God's perspective? And the truth is, work was his plan from the very beginning. And we're going to go back to the very beginning of the scripture. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So God designed us to work. And if you think about God and some of his attributes, God's a worker. He designed, he created, he's constantly working. You and I were created in God's image, right? And so we are to work as well. Now, a lot of you may have had the same misunderstanding I had for years. You know, I always thought that work was part of our punishment, Right? When sin entered the world, you know, you've heard of the curse when sin entered the world. You know, women have difficulty in childbearing. And, and we, I always thought, well, work is a result of us sinning against God, but it's not. What's really eye opening is to realize God created us to work before sin entered the world. Look at Genesis 1 27 through 28. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. In other words, take control of it. Run the earth. So back in the garden, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, govern it. And then he says in the second chapter to tend the garden. So it's very evident by reading scripture, we were created to work before we crossed the line and sinned and disobeyed God. The curse, the part of the curse is now our work is difficult. Now our work is going to be disappointing at times. It's going to be a struggle at times. But what we have to understand if we're going to prioritize it correctly is work in and of itself is not a curse. It's the difficulty that comes along with work and the frustration of work that's part of the curse. So we can still be blessed, in other words, 
through our work, whatever it is we do for a living, if we will allow God, he promises that he'll bless us through our work. Why? Because he calls us to do it. And he called us to do that before sin even entered the world. And I think it's always good for us to remember God is always at work as well. Listen to what Jesus said in John 5, 17. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So God is a worker. He expects us to work and to take care of ourselves and to provide for ourselves. Now, all those things we would have named off as the reason why we work, it's true. It's so that we can feed ourselves, so that we can have a place to live, uh, put a roof over our head, maybe pay for our, our car or our gas or you know, Amazon Prime, whatever it is. It's part of us doing our fair share and doing what God called us to do. So it's our responsibility to work. Now look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. For you know that you ought to imitate us. This is Paul talking. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. Paul's saying to the church in Thessalonica, look, we worked while we were here. We worked for what we had. We took on that burden of providing for ourselves while we ministered to you. Nobody carried our weight. Nobody, you know, gave us stuff. We carried ourselves. And biblically, that's what we're supposed to do. That's why we have the responsibility to work so that we can provide for ourselves and care for ourselves and we're not a burden on anyone. Now, maybe you got a teenager at home and they don't want to work. Maybe they just like laying on the couch and playing video games and, and watching Netflix and you can't get them to go out and get a job. Well, let's look at what God's perspective is on work and maybe this will help you, all right? 2 Thessalonians 3, 10, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. There you go. Problem solved. Right? That's pretty straightforward though, isn't it? Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Now, this is not talking about those that can't work. There's a difference. Those unwilling to work. There are some people who legitimately cannot work, right? Maybe because of their age or, you know, physically, mentally something. And we have a responsibility to help them. I get that. I'm not talking about that. This verse is not talking about that. It's talking about people who simply don't want to work. They just don't want to work. They're not motivated to work. They figured out the systems and the programs in place and how to work those things. And so they don't have to work and they don't want to work. And I know this is going to sound really cold hearted and, and you may even scratch your head and say, is that dude even a Christian? But sometimes the very worst thing that you and I can do is to give help, to give financial support to someone who is very capable of working and providing for themselves. 
and taking care of themselves. That's a lot of the problem we have in society today. There's a lot of people that are perfectly capable of working. They just choose not to. And because of the systems and the programs in place, a lot of their basic needs are already met. So you go back to that verse and that motivation to work's not there because they're not hungry. Hunger, the Bible says, is a great motivator of work. All that to say sometimes, and I know it sounds harsh, but sometimes the worst thing we could do is help someone that has the ability to help themselves. And the problem is today you don't know. Right? It's so difficult to see and understand in culture, well, who needs my help and who doesn't need my help? And so we have to pray and we have to ask God for discernment and wisdom when we give help. Now, the staff will tell you, my wife will tell you, I always just err on the side of grace. I really do. I figure, just like we learned last week, everything I have, all of the money I have, all the time and the talent, it belongs to God, right, ultimately. So if I give a portion of what I have away to someone that I think needs help, only they don't need help, now that's between them and God, right? I did my part. But it's very important that we pray and we discern and we ask for wisdom. So all that to say, here's what Paul is saying, learning number one, for those that can work and won't work, there is no free pass. We are designed and created and expected by God to work. So the very first thing to do to prioritize your work is to realize, man, my heavenly father created me to work. Now you may be sitting here and you may be retired. You know, I bet you, you still have things that you do where you work. Sometimes we're paid for our work. Sometimes we're not paid for our work. But the best way to prioritize it is to realize God created me to work. The other thing we can do to prioritize work is to allow our work to develop us, right? Not just develop us professionally and and we get more skills and we're more marketable to another company, but we can allow our work to grow us spiritually, to grow our character, if you will, in life. Because God, we know, is very interested in our character. And because we spend so much time at work, He can use our workplace, our vocation, to build and develop our character. And when you think about it, there's so many things that it's easier to learn at work than it is anywhere else. It's not that you can't learn them other places, but Work is very conducive to learning skills and character traits like honesty and dependability and flexibility and reliability and integrity. Things like cheerfulness and persistence and forgiveness and punctuality, all those things that are character traits, we can learn those at work and we can develop those at work. And what's that going to do? It's going to develop our character. And it's going to make our character closer and closer to the character of Christ. Which isn't that the whole goal? We talk about that a lot around here too. From the moment you accept Christ, and I know not everybody's made that decision, but the moment we accept Christ to the time we die, our character should be growing more like the character of Christ. He wants to develop our character throughout our entire life. And because we're going to spend so many of our waking hours in the workplace or with our vocation, God's going to use that to our benefit. 
Now, some of you just, you just don't like work. You can't stand work maybe because of your boss. And you just want to leave and you want to go work somewhere else and work for somebody different. Listen, I always told uh, employees when I was in corporate America, don't you ever quit your job because of me. Don't quit your job because you don't like me. You don't like my style. You don't like what I stand for. Learn what, and I couldn't say God, but learn whatever it is you need to learn that you don't want to emulate in me or you do. But don't ever quit because of that because one of us is going to end up going somewhere. You know, you may go to another team. I may go to another team. And so if we're in that situation now and we, we have that boss, and I hope your boss isn't here today, but you, you got that boss that you just don't like, learn whatever it is that God wants you to learn from that person and carry that on. And again, prioritize it and let it be, hey, this is developing my character. This is making me more like Christ. So learning number two, the most important thing we bring home from our work is our character. It's not our paycheck. It's not our benefits. It's our character. So we got to ask ourselves, you know, am I becoming a better person because of my work? Am I becoming different? And when you get a job or when you're looking maybe for your first job, maybe you're still in school or you're in high school and you haven't really started working yet, don't just look at what you're going to get paid. Don't just look at the benefits package and the retirement plan. Look and ask yourself, is this going to help me as far as my spiritual development as well? Yeah, it's going to help me develop professionally, but it's going to help me to develop spiritually. Am I going to become more like Christ? Is it going to grow my character? So we prioritize work, A, by realizing we were created to work. B, we can prioritize our work by letting it grow us spiritually. Another way we can prioritize work is allowing our work to be an example to other people. Because if we prioritize work correctly, we can actually, in the workplace, be a great witness to other people that don't know Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4.11, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business, and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Because we are working so much of our life and we are created to work, people are watching us all the time at work. How we react, how we respond, they look at our integrity, they look at our actions and our behaviors. They're looking at things that we're talking about in this series. They're looking at our priorities. Hey, does Scott's priorities really line up with what he values the most? They're looking at everything. And they're taking notes. And maybe just, maybe people would be more open to Christ or even more open to an invitation to church or your group or your function if you and I in the workplace would set the bar for these character type traits. Like set the bar for things like honesty and integrity. There's people in the scripture who simply wanted to know who God was because of other people's character and integrity. People like Job and Daniel, the people that watched them and how they reacted and how they responded, they wanted to know who God was simply because of their honesty and integrity. And isn't that the goal? 
Jesus told us in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 that we are to be salt and light in the world. And then that salt thing sometimes throws us in the culture we live in. But before they had refrigeration, salt would, would cure meat, right? Like it does on hams and sausage and things like that today. Light penetrates darkness. So salt penetrates, light penetrates. God says you have to penetrate this world with the good news about Christ. That is our job. And what a better place to do that than in the workplace. Now, hear me clearly. I'm not saying go into your workplace and be a Bible thumper. All right, just beat people over the head all the time. You're going to hell and you did this wrong and you're doing that wrong. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being salt and light. Meet people where they're at. Just like we do every single Sunday here. Don't be shocked because somebody comes in after the weekend and tells you what they did over the weekend or the words that may come out of their mouth. Just meet them wherever they're at. Realize they don't believe what I believe. They don't have a relationship with Christ like I do. Just strike up a conversation with them. You know, have a heart for them. Build a relationship with them. Grab a cup of coffee with them. Invite them to church. And I always tell people, you know, that's why our church is the same every Sunday. That we do a song, we do a welcome, we do two songs, and we do a talk. And after 60 minutes, we're done. And we keep that consistency so it's safe for you to bring your friends. You can prepare them ahead of time. Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song. We're going to have a welcome, two songs. This really old guy's going to get up and speak. And then we get to leave, right? We all have to be building those relationships and work, meeting people where they're at so that somehow, hopefully, they can see Christ in us. And I know sometimes people think, well, it'd be ideal to work with just other Christians all the time. And I've heard people say that I'd like to get away from these mean, nasty, sinful people. I'm like, you mean people like you, (laughs) right? We'd have to leave the world, the Apostle Paul said, if we were going to avoid people like that. Look at 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols or pull for the University of Miami. (laughs) You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. But people get so upset because people don't act the way they think they should act or believe or behave the way they think they should believe and behave. Why do you think God puts you where you're at in your workplace? Go back to Matthew 5, to be salt and light. We are on mission. If you're a follower of Christ and you've made that decision, you are on mission. I'm on mission wherever we go. And our responsibility is to be an ambassador for, Chief, for Jesus, to be his representative. He doesn't want Christians just hanging out all the time with other Christians. It's okay to have Christian friends and be in a Christian group and, and come to church, but we also have to have people that don't know Christ in our life. Otherwise, we're not being salt and light. So find some unbelieving friends to hang out with. Tom, our first impressions guy, would be a great start. All right, Proverbs 
Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. What does that mean? And I think some of what that verse is saying is that we should take honor and pride and respect in our work as though we were working for a king. No matter what we do, we should take pride in it. We should take a sense of accomplishment in our work. Again, there's, there's certain emotional rewards that we're only going to get in life through work. That's how God set it up. You know, it is that sense of accomplishment, of self-respect, or that feeling, man, I did a, I did a good job today, or, or, I, or I gave it my best shot. You know, there's no, probably nothing like ending a career knowing that you did the best you could throughout your entire life in the jobs that you had. I think that's how Paul, the Apostle Paul, felt at the end of his life. You've heard this verse probably, you know, at a funeral, but at the end of Paul's life, what did he say? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I think Paul had a sense of pride, good pride, that he had done what the Lord had called him to do. He had that sense of accomplishment, and it came through his work and what Christ called him to do. Even Jesus on the cross, you know, when he's going to die for our sins, he, on the cross he says, it is finished. The plan of salvation is finished. He wasn't saying he was finished. We know because he rose from the dead. But I think Jesus had that same sense of satisfaction. I did what my heavenly father sent me to this earth to do. We finished the plan of salvation. Now everybody can have eternal life and forgiveness through me. Learning number three, people are happiest when they're striving for something worthwhile and meaningful in life. So it's okay to take pride in your work, to enjoy your work. Again, there's those emotional benefits to working. And we think, now I know how we think though, we think, man, I can't wait till the day I retire. I can't wait to the day I have enough money that I don't have to work anymore because it's going to be great because I'm going to hike all day or I'm going to lay around at the pool all day. You know, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm telling you, you'd be bored. Three or four weeks, you'd be bored to death. I've got some good friends of mine that have retired, retired recently, and they've had to be very intentional about doing something in retirement whether it's volunteering for their church or helping to work on cars or fixing up their own house and doing all those projects they had put off for years. Because after about three weeks of retirement, they had no sense of purpose. That job was their sense of purpose. Now they're like, I don't know what to do. So contrary to popular belief, leisure, constant leisure is not how we're designed either. We have to have margin. I get that. We have to have vacations and time off and a day off each week. But too much of anything isn't good. And if you look at culture today, we have, uh, we have some kids, uh, certainly not all kids, but we have some kids and they're supplemented by their parents. And, and they should be for a while. That's our responsibility. But even after they've graduated from college or technical school or high school and the parents are still supplementing them. So the kids haven't, you know, done anything. 
And, and you talk to the kid, and they're like, well, I, you know, I just don't know what God's will for my life is yet, and, and I'm not going to move until I figure that out. I've got God's will for your life. Parents, you can thank me later. Get a job, <laughs> right? That is God's will for our life, that we get a job, that we work. That's why it's so important that we prioritize it. So we realize we were created by God before sin entered the world to work. We can use our work to grow us spiritually as well as professionally. We can use our work as an example to others, fulfilling what Jesus said to be salt and light in the, in the world. We can get a job that we enjoy. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, we can take pride in our work, in other words, and be satisfied with our work. Colossians 3, 23 says, work willingly at whatever you do. Doesn't matter what you do. Work willingly at it, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. For me personally, the peace about knowing God created me to work before sin and knowing that I'm working for Him and not other people put everything into perspective. No matter what you're doing, remember, I'm not doing this for my creditors or for my boss or for this person or that person. Ultimately, I'm doing it for the Lord because He calls me to do it. If all we're looking forward to is that paycheck, we've missed the point. So find a job that you enjoy, that you can take pride in. Hey, I did a great job. And then finally, remember this. Our work has immediate as well as eternal implications. When you're prioritizing it, remember, my work has eternal implications. Listen to Jesus' words in Luke 16, verses 10 through 12. If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? We talked about that last week. And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Our work has eternal implications because people are watching us. We, we alluded to that earlier, but every conversation we have at work, our tone, our words, our reaction, our emails, how we handle customers, how we respond to customers, how we do projects, how we charge. All of those things have eternal implications. Why? Because we are constantly Christ's ambassador, and we're either pushing people towards Christ or we're pushing people away from Christ all the time. Even in the neighborhood, even in you know book club or group, but especially at work because people are watching us. We're either moving people towards Christ or away from Christ. And if we're faithful in the little things, our character and setting the bar for integrity, we're going to be trusted with greater responsibilities. That's eye-opening to think every single day of my life, I can either be helping somebody find eternity or hurting someone and finding eternity through Christ. So whatever you do, 
prioritize it God's way. We were created to work. It can be for our benefit. It can develop us spiritually. We can be on mission. We can be an example to others. We can take pride in our work and actually enjoy what we're doing. And we can help people to not only find Christ, but to follow Christ. Let's pray together. God, you've given each of us responsibility. You've given us tasks to do. You didn't just put us in this world to uh, breathe and to take up space, to be a burden, but to take care of ourselves. Lord, sometimes our tasks are paid. Sometimes they're volunteer. But Lord, we know now with you, no job is unimportant. And ultimately, it's you that we're serving through our work. God, I do know there's, there's people watching, there's people here today that are they're empty and frustrated with their work. They've been looking for satisfaction in that work, and they haven't found it. Lord, help us to remember our ultimate satisfaction comes from you and doing what you called us to do. So this week, we're asking you to help us to prioritize our work properly, to use it to help somebody to find you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple quick things before you go. I want to encourage you to fill out that connection card uh, that's out there on the Church Center app, or you can scan that QR code. If you're worshiping through generosity today, you can do that in the black boxes at the back, or you, you can do that online. Groups, signups. Group signups are going on right now. You can still sign up for a group today. Groups is a way here at the church that we connect at a smaller level, uh, you know, other than Sunday. Sunday's kind of a big large group worship like they did in the book of Acts, but then we meet house to house in our group. So I encourage you to check those out in the, and meet some people and find some people that you can do life with. And then finally, uh, next week, man, bring a friend. It's exciting to have a little more space, a little more flexibility with our services. So whoever it is that maybe God puts in your path this week at work, uh, pray for them and, and invite them, and we'll tell them about how amazing Christ is and how he can change their life. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a terrific rest of your Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. God bless you. Have a great week at work.